Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe Posnanski, and uh, you know we're getting ready for Rio, getting ready for the Olympics, and and I'm always excited about uh, about the guests that we get here on the podcast. But I'm particularly excited today because uh, we have with us uh, a friend of mine for almost 30 years. He doesn't he doesn't want to hear how long it's been. Uh, but uh, 1992 Olympic gold medalist in the 200 meter butterfly, professional writer at times in his life. Uh, now publisher for Swim Swam, uh, Mel Stewart. Melvin, first of all, thank you for taking the time. You had to say Melvin because if anybody knows me more than than two or three decades, they just dropped the Melvin. <laughs> I took years and years to get rid of Melvin and become Mel. I just want to say thank you, Jeff, for yeah. bringing Melvin back into the mix. No, I I actually consciously called you Mel Stewart. Because I know that is that is what you prefer, and 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 you've been gold uh, gold medal Mel, and and all of those things. So I, I consciously, but I always think of you as Melvin. I, I, I that's just it, I can't help it. I I, I it, no, I, I'm now so old. I, I, I it sounds like a term of endearment. So when I hear it, it makes lets me know that this is a deep relationship. <laughs> we do. We go back a long, long way uh, to to really the beginning for both of us. So in 1980. Seven and eighty-eight, when I was just starting as a sports writer, uh, and when you were just starting as a uh, world-class uh, swimmer. I mean, it's uh, this is a long, long relationship. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the Olympics uh, coming up, and and uh, you're going to give us hopefully some some names and people to be excited about. But uh, but first, I want to I do want to talk a little bit about you and 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 your sort of path in swimming because obviously you were the world record holder and the gold medalist in the in the 200 butterfly uh the best in the world for for an extended period of time um and then you kind of walked away from swimming for a little while and and now you're back in it uh full force give us a little bit of the the arc of of your sort of relationship with swimming you know the interesting thing about my arc is my arc begins with you and it goes back to the beginning i think it, it says a lot about you and it says a lot about narrative in Olympic sports because, uh, frankly, tr- non-traditional sports, Olympic sports are the mo- not they're not the most exciting to watch. There's it, it, you know you're watching someone swim up and down a pool. It's you, there's no context. It's just faceless people in caps swimming up and down a pool. It's not like a football game or a basketball game where there's there's uh, we know the personalities and we're caught up in the we're caught up in the war between two sides. What's interesting in terms of the context is, um, as a child, I grew up on the grounds of the PTL television network, and that was Jim and Tammy Faye Baker's evangelical 24-hour television network. So I grew up in a city that was built on top of a Christian television network, and it was all about profit. And you worked at the Charlotte Observer, and you guys got a Pulitzer Prize for your coverage of that. Now, I was a kid who was trying to be the greatest swimmer in my particular discipline. And you were a kid and you were just, you were just getting into the narrative. Yeah. Uh, and it, what was interesting was that you were able to tell those two stories, me on, on the road to the Olympics with this backstory and you were able to do it. Somehow you figured out how to do it and, and allowed me to maintain some dignity. <laughs> and I think that that is kind of the hallmark of what your success has been for decades. And I, and somehow that blossomed back then, I think it was a, I don't know how you did it. I well, don't know how you, you made it easy. And, and I'm not, I'm not just saying that one of the coolest things. So, so probably my first, 
I would call big assignment in, in, in my entire sports writing career uh, was going with you to Austin for the Olympic trials. And we did a, I did a diary with you. So we, we, we basically uh, we would talk every day and, and a lot of days there was nothing going on. So you would just tell me, you know, what you ate and, and, uh, and <laughs> I'd write about that. Um, but we spent a lot of time together. I mean, we really did. And we became, and we became really good friends. And, and so when I, uh, moved on from the observer and went on to other things. We still, we still stayed in touch and, and, and would still, you know, but, it, but I always felt like you had a, you know, you did, you grew up in this very odd environment. Um, and, and yet you, you had your own sort of vision for what you wanted to become, you know, as a swimmer, but also I think as an athlete and, and sort of your sense of, of place and and then you went to 88 and this is this is really to me where the arc for me begins you go in 88 and you're you're you know among the favorites um you're you're not the favorite but you in your mind you are in your mind you're going to win a gold medal and you go and and it was disappointment right in in 88 in 1988 i was ranked second in the world going into the olympic games and i was i was a kid i was the second youngest on the team and uh, my improvement year over year would have put me in the range to win a gold medal. Yeah. It was just, you know, in swimming and in, in, in non-traditional sports, it really is. It's just when you're racing against the clock, that's a, that's a metric that you can, you can count on. And the, the fact of the matter is I, I freaked out, I got scared, and I choked. Metaphorically, I choked and just uh, – and that, and that – so we see athletes implode. All the time, I have a huge compassion for people who implode under pressure, and uh, it, it was a yeah. I, I remember being in the waiting room and just feeling my legs going numb and feeling pinpricks and realizing that I was um, that I was cannon fodder and that I would be pay, uh, that I would be I would I would establish a pace for 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 the guys who were going to medal, and that was uh, that was that was very dreadful. It's, I mean, I remember you coming back. So you come back from 88 and, and, you know, for people that, 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 uh, that remember this, Mel is, uh, always been a very, very confident person, uh, at least outwardly. And, and, you know, and always had a tremendous amount of fun and, and, and went, you know, really, I, I mean, my sense of you going, you know, before you left was it was all very free flowing. The idea that you would go and, and feel the pressure did not really, occur to me because you had had always expressed such confidence and you came back and and honestly i mean and you and i have talked about this for for other stories that i've done i mean you were shattered I and mean, you were really shattered when you came back it was um you know i it, 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 you don't want to put it in the context of war you don't want to put it in the context of any it was uh when you you know it does something chemically to your brain you know, when, when people win, their, their brain chemistry changes. And when you lose, it changes. I was depressed, and I think I was depressed for about 20, 24 months. It was, uh, it, I had nightmares about losing. Hmm. I, had, I would go to sleep, and I would be swimming in my, in my dreams, and I would be swimming, and it would be water in front of me, and it would be sand behind me like a beach, and it was, that sand was anchoring me down, and I couldn't go faster, and I kept losing over and over and over. Yeah, it was it was pretty dark. Yeah, well, I I can remember I can remember you being in a very dark place. I don't know, didn't know about the dream, but but you were in a very dark place, and and then you 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 know, and and here's here's sort of to me where where it all 
you know, comes full circle, is this is what we're watching at the Olympics. What we are watching are people who have dedicated their lives to this moment in a way that is different from watching somebody at the Super Bowl or at the World Series because because there's there's there might be another chance. There probably will be another chance. There's a there's a sense that this isn't this isn't everything. And even if you're not going to make it back to the Super Bowl, you still get to play football. You still get to play baseball, even if if you don't make it back to the World Series. But the Olympics are everything in swimming, as as, as we both know. Uh, you know, I mean, they're obviously world championships and other things that are great, but you're never on that stage like you are at the Olympics. So you come back, and 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 honestly, you didn't know that that you were going to be able to make it back in '92. I think you believed it. Uh, you were very young, and there was every reason to believe that you were going to be be even better in '92. But you don't know, and so so that sense of it, you know, you talk about it being 24 months. Then you came out of it, and you just and you just skyrocketed. So so what happened? What what took you out of sort of that that abyss you were in, and took you into '92? It. it... You know, the, it's relevant today because the, the it, it all happened. It, all, it happened with a coach, and the, the guy is uh, David Marsh. Coach David Marsh, he's the coach of Swim Mac Elite. He's he's the coach of. Um, he's he was he's been named the women's uh, Olympic coach, coach exactly. right for Team USA. Uh, he's built the Swim Mac into the most elite club program on earth, and that's my home club in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I, I I went to him and I was ranked number one in the world at the time, and it was uh, I did a summer with him. My father encouraged it, and I and I remember showing up on deck and it was uh, he was coaching in Las Vegas at the time for a team called Las Vegas Gold, and uh, I walked on deck, and he with after the first practice he pulls me aside and he says I'm going to change your stroke in three places. I told him with many colorful metaphors that he was full of it. Two weeks later, I had done the changes. Four weeks later, I was swimming faster time. Six weeks later, I'd never owned a record before. I'd been number one in the world, but no records. I broke my first American record. Six months later, broke a world record. Wow. A year later, won two goals and a bronze. But it happened because of this guy who is an artist when it comes to efficiency and forward motion, and his name's David Marsh. So when my, when my child was born, I wanted to name my child David. My wife was like, no, we're not going to name our daughter David. <laughs> Davida. So th- this, this guy is, uh, yeah, so, so I owe my, my return and my redemption to Coach David Marsh, who is now the head coach for the women's Olympic team in Rio. And a fantastic guy. And I just, uh, I, I just actually just spent uh, some time with him uh, talking about somebody I'm going to want to talk to you about a little bit, Kathleen Baker. Uh, who who is a, a fantastic story here at the Olympic team? But tell me about '92. We've we've gone to your dark places. '92 uh, is everything you could have ever imagined. I suspect. You know, it was Barcelona was was an ideal place to go to an Olympic Games. It was it's a beautiful city, great fun. Um, was and, and for me it was great for one reason. The year before, I had gone to world championships, and I, I knew I had to accomplish something at world championships, which was I didn't want to race this guy, Mikhail Gross, who had been dominant in the butterfly for, for nearly a decade. And I, I knew I had to beat him and retire him. So um, I was able to, to beat him in his, in his signature race, the 200 fly, so badly that he retired 10 minutes later in the press conference. Not, and I didn't want to face him at the Olympic Games because he had so much experience there. 
after retiring him, I essentially had to show up in Barcelona and just uh, not get diarrhea, you know, not get some some airborne virus. And uh, I just I just had to 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 follow the routine. And uh, so for me, the Olympic Games was a pleasure. It, the dream team uh, was was uh, the star of the '92 Olympic Games, and there was just this celebration uh, in the air at all times. You know, '92 was a lot of fun. So the the one thing I can take away from '92 and, and the the '92 year, the Olympics and Olympic trials, was that uh, it was kind of just uh, like I was on I was on autopilot. The computer was rolling. And I knew exactly what I needed to do, and I, I didn't think about it too much. You know, I, the the medal sort of just happened, and it was a it was a wonderful experience, overwhelming emotion. Told myself I wouldn't cry on the medal stand, and I, sh- I did cry on the medal stand. So all the typical things happened. So fun. So all fun. These, all these years later, this is what I like about that race. Over time, it's become more meaningful because uh, as each Olympics we go past each Olympics and Olympic trials, I look at the times and you compare yourself to history. My time in 92 at trials would have made the Olympic team in 2016. Wow. I would have made it behind Phelps. And uh, that's I'm hugely proud of, of that number. Um, it, it also makes me a little bit nervous for that, for that event going into Rio. These guys should be swimming faster probably, but there, there are a lot of other factors involved. But uh, so 92 is very meaningful for many reasons. Well, you were obviously at your peak. You were at your peak. You did. You did try. Uh, you you swam uh, at at the peak level for a little longer, a couple years longer, uh, and then you went into '96 and you finished third, and you just missed the team. Um, at that point, I know swimming. You had done it a long time. Uh, you were at that point, I imagine, where where it was it was time, and you did. So, th- as the arc continues, you walked away from from sport almost entirely for, for a good long time, right? I did. It was a, uh, I, I worked with ESPN as, as an analyst. Uh, I, I got NB, I got the, uh, I was covering the NC2As in swimming, which was their, their biggest event. Um, I wanted to be the, I wanted to be the analyst for NBC. And uh, I even did a show for ESPN. They gave me a show to host on ESPN2, an adventure show. So I, I was a swimmer in an adventure show, which is, like that, whoever made that decision wasn't the smartest person it's in the world. An, it's an Aquaman thing. I like it. No, it didn't work. I rock climbing, uh, anything that involves a ball or climbing or using your arms and legs on land, not not a good idea for a swimmer. But uh, so anyway, Rowdy got the NBC contract, and I didn't really see a point in in continuing on. And I had sold a movie, I'd sold a screenplay in Hollywood, and was and made quite a bit of money, and thought I was going to be Steven Spielberg. So I went away for. Many, many years and did nothing but write in a T-shirt and underwear. <laughs> that was my life. I don't mean to be to make it sound too glamorous. I'm, uh, you did. You made it sound really glamorous. And I think now every kid out there listening will want to become a Hollywood writer. <laughs> um, no, but you did. You did that for a long time. So what, what brought you back into the sport? I did the, the social media. Uh, the, the rise of the digital media platform. What I saw was... Non-traditional sports had NBC, and NBC does a fantastic job of, of, of celebrating our sport every four years. But in between those years, you know, it, it's um, swim goes dark. And what I saw was this other network, and I, this, this social media has become the non-traditional sports network. 
so for for me, I saw an inn, I saw a niche, and uh, uh, I pulled together a group of swim nerds. There, I, it's probably a more accurate description is I haven't we have an army of swim nerds, <laughs> and uh, we are swimswam.com. We're the most read swimming news, lifestyle, entertainment, aquatic site on earth ever in history by a huge margin. And we, we, like a virus, we just keep multiplying. <laughs> I think that's your slogan, like a virus, we keep multiplying. I think that's, that's, that's nice. Swim Swim is fantastic, by the way. And, and it is, first of all, it's, it really speaks to sort of where we are in, in society, which is everybody uh, is, is very interested in their own niche. There is a huge, huge, huge swimming niche that very that you know millions and millions of Americans are more or less unaware of because their daughter or their son don't swim but my daughter for a good period of time she she is she is out of swimming at the moment although we're trying to get her back in uh but she swam not super competitively but but you know in a in a in a little club team and 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 was you know enjoyed it um and you realize this is huge. It's huge. I mean, you know, we would we would be in this little club team in Charlotte that was a million miles away from Mac. I mean, swim Mac. We weren't in that world. We were in our own little community swimming world. Um, but we would have hundreds of people come to every meet, you know. I mean, 50, 60, 70, 80 kids, all their parents. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's huge. And that's just one. There, there are 20 of those communities in Charlotte, you know. So – this is a huge community and, and you guys are, you, you serve that huge, huge community and nobody else really does. It's a, it's, it's one of the, it's one among globally. It's one of the top five largest participatory sports period. And, uh, the beauty of it is that it's a sport where a woman can achieve exactly the same thing a man can achieve. And historically, uh, you know, you, you can be a woman and if you win an Olympic medal and it's the 1930s, it's the 1960s, it's the 1990s, you get equal billing. And that's something that a lot of sports uh, don't have. And that's it. It's, it's, so in, in terms of participation, there's a huge audience and we, we see that daily. And, uh, and also 51% of the world, fem- the female part of the world, is uh, they're fully engaged. It's 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 exciting. It's exciting stuff. It's really cool. It's really cool. All right, now I'm going to uh, lean on on your 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 swimming knowledge, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Olympics. and And I know exactly where to begin. You 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 really have to begin every swimming conversation, I suppose, with Mel, with uh, with Michael Phelps, and especially going into his last Olympics. But you, in particular, have a unique uh, ability to understand the greatness of Michael Phelps, and I've and I've leaned on you this way before. You swam the 200 butterfly and the 100 butterfly, but you sw- your 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 best event was the 200 butterfly. You had the world record in it. You won a gold medal in it, and you have told me in the past that that Michael Phelps is swims uh, he, he swims the 200 butterfly. You're unfamiliar with basically. I mean, he's 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 taken that sport to a to a completely different level, hasn't he? It's a um... Yeah, no, no. I mean, he there, there's there's Michael, and of course there's everyone else. That that's not a surprise. What's interesting about this one event is this was the it's the gateway event. Mark Spitz was a 200 flyer. That that's where you, if you can do the 200 fly, you can do anything. Yeah, it's the it's grueling. 
it's grueling. It's the most painful. You, you know, if you go to a swimming meet, if there's if there's 20 heats of the 100 freestyle, there's going to be three heats of the 200 fly. People just don't attempt it. A lot of kids won't won't swim in it. Swimming meets because they, they can't finish the race. So if you have a young kid uh, like a Michael Phelps who who's been developed to to participate in, in 200 butterfly at a high level, you know they're going to go on and expand their schedule out. So he made it when he in 2000 got fourth in the 200 butterfly, and I just I remember watching Tom Mauchow win at 2000. Sydney Olympics, and um, it was like I was watching Malchow out of the corner of my eye because my eyes were focused on this little kid going 156 wow. in the 200 meter fly. And I remember standing up, pulling at the television, yelling at my wife, "That's ridiculous! <laughs> that kid's going to be great." And uh, so he's what he does is he's uh, his coach Bob Bowman, who is the head the head Olympic coach for the men's U.S. Olympic team. Uh, Bob spent many, many years when, when, when Michael was a kid working on his technique. And uh, Butterfly is all about technique. It's uh, Once you have your core strength up, it's really just about torque and maintaining your speed going forward. Um, Michael's, Michael looks like a dancer in the water to me. He looks gorgeous. Other, other swimmers even at, at a world-class level, even those inside the box, inside the top 10 in the world, they look clumsy compared to him. And uh, so if you're, if you're a non-swimmer and you're watching, what you're watching is absolute perfection in the water. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I should add that the 200 Butterfly to me, and, and the IMs, but, but specifically the 200 Butterfly to me, is a unique event in this way. If you're out there watching the events and you can swim – you can swim the other events. I mean, it might take you, you know, it might take me two days to finish them, but you can you can make it a hundred meters free. You can make it a hundred meter back. You can make it a hundred meter uh, breaststroke. You can't. I I I, I could not swim two hundred meters of butterfly. I don't. I you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's a hard stroke to perfect, and it's a hard stroke to even do adequately enough to be able to swim it in the pool. I mean, it's a, it's a very very difficult thing. And so I think that's that's why to me that's why it was so much fun watching you, uh, but that's why to me it's so much fun watching Michael is that he has taken this stroke that you know as great as it is to watch somebody swim uh, fifty meter free in 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 these ridiculous times and it's you know the the water's flying everywhere it's fantastic to watch it is something that is that is familiar in a way. And watching him swim the 200 meter butterfly is it's it's like a different world. It's it's like watching somebody from a different world. You you at Olympic trials, he, his time was not that great, and he he's uh, the interesting. I, I described him as a dancer and beautiful, and everyone else being clumsy, even those among the top ten in the world. At Olympic trials in Omaha, he for for the 200 for a hundred. And 70 meters, he looked like a dancer. And those last 30 meters, he didn't look like a dancer. <laughs> he looked a little bit like a gorilla jumped on his back, which is typical because he was not rested and ready for a peak performance because sure. he, knew he was going to make the team in the event. But it's so interesting to see him, that absolute perfection, and then to see that perfection start to falter and to see him try and hold it in a, in a very stressful situation. Just uh, for, for swim nerds and for, and, and for people who don't understand the sport – if, if you watch that race, um, 
you, you, it, what's interesting is seeing the struggle and seeing him try to hold that, that perfection. But that's what makes him so great. When, when you start to fall apart, um, he, he can force himself into a position in the water that enables him to get to the wall and magically put his hand on the wall first. If, I think we all remember in 2008, he almost lost a hunter butterfly. Yes. And um, the reason why he didn't was because he swam a perfect race. And Millerid Cabbage did not. He made a mistake literally in the last six inches of the race. That's incredible. Incredible. That photo's from above. If, if, if people remember that Cabbage uh, uh, Phelps race, there, the Sports Illustrated had a, a famous photo where it was shot straight up from the water. And, and there's, you watch it, you think it is literally impossible that Phelps won this race. Because at the time that they took the photo, and there, there's a series of photos, but the one particularly famous photo, Cavage's fingers are like one inch from the wall, and Phelps is still finishing his stroke, so his hands and arms look like they're three feet from the wall. And it's, it's, some of it's an illusion or whatever, but, but the perfection to actually win that race by the hundredth of a second as he did, um, it's insane. It's insane. It is insane. It's uh, what, and so there's that. There's also the uh, what I find insane is that uh, yeah, I went to the '96 Olympic trials to try and go again, and, and I missed the team by a few one hundredths of a second. It's very difficult to keep doing it over and over. Phelps has done it over and over. The idea, and I was 27 at the time, to know that he's 31, wow, and still swimming at the level that he's swimming at is extraordinary. Uh, you know, I guess I think everyone's asking themselves why is he back because he doesn't need to be back. The guy doesn't need to work. He's financially independent. Uh, I think he's going to Rio for one reason, and it's a very swim nerd reason. I think that Michael is there to do a best time. I think he's there to do what every 8, 10, 12-year-old kid wants to do when they jump in the water, which is very fundamental. They just want to be faster, faster than they've ever been before. And uh, that is very, very challenging. But If you're not familiar with swimming, back in 2007, 8, and 9, we, swimmers started wearing these full rubberized suits, and it looked like the swimmers were in, you know, an X-Men outfit. <laughs> they they were they had they had compression. They made these swimmers float. And at one point in 2009, at World Championships, there was a world record almost every single time someone entered the pool. Every time someone swam, and the times are very very fast. Uh, the governing body who, who who lords over this changed the rules back to the traditional suits, fabric suits. And Phelps has not swum a personal best time since then. I think he's in Rio for one reason. I think he's there to do a personal best time. That's cool. Can he do it? He can. He's got the 100 fly, 200 fly, and 200 individual medley. His best chance is in the 200 individual medley. Um, he, I think if he swims on pace and does what he's, supposed, what he, what he's capable of doing – I think he's going to be a 153.8 at least. It's going to put him two tenths under. I'd like to see him 153 mid. Uh, but I think that is a world record. I think it's the best time. I think that's his best shot. That's his best shot. What I think if, if he had to choose of the three races where he would do a best time, I think he would choose the 100 butterfly. In 2009, he won a 49.8. I think to get under a 49.8 in a fabric suit and a suit that doesn't allow him to float, I think is superhuman. Um, it's definitely a Superman type swim. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd like to, if he could, 
if he could be 50 point low, that's fast enough. But I don't think he'll do it in the 100 fly. 200 fly is a, is a 151. I think that's a little bit out of reach. So I think in the 100 fly and 200 fly, he's swimming to win. I think in the 200 IM, he's probably in his heart of hearts right now, living inside his head on the, on the run up to the, his races. He's thinking, you know, I want to win, but I think I can break a world record in the 200 IM. It's really, really going to be fun to watch. By the way, he, you mentioned uh, the 200 fly record is in the 151 uh, time. Y- your world record was 155, right? My, my world, yes, but I wasn't in a rubberized suit. <laughs> What, no, would you, I, what would you have done in a rubberized suit? 144. There you go. Absolutely. No, keep it there. I, I, once asked, it. <laughs> I, once, I once asked Tony Gwynn, uh, Tony Gwynn uh, the late Tony Gwynn, wonderful guy, uh, who, who almost hit he, – he was hitting 394. You're not a big baseball guy, but he was hitting 394 in 1994 when the uh, strike was called. Uh, and and they never resumed the season, and so uh, the question was, and the question has always been, would Tony Gwynn have hit 400? And I I asked him. I, I have, was an, at an event with him, uh, and I was hosting, and I said, Tony, would you have hit 400? He said, I would have hit 420. Because why <laughs> why say anything else? There's no reason. So yeah, 144. I that record would never get touched. I let's just say that. I wanted. Uh, let's talk about Katie. So you're gonna make it. You're gonna make. You're gonna make that dangle out there. <laughs> You know what? Unless Michael Phelps swims 144, he does not have the record, in my view, in my opinion. I, th- I think Michael. I think Michael's going to be close to the time he swam in a rubberized suit in 2009. Which the whole point of saying that is yeah. that is an extraordinary swim. And what I'm telling you is, at the age of 31, and we now know his life is a whole lot cleaner. You know he. Uh, it's uh, it's culturally it's okay to be a swimmer and to, and to drink on the weekends and uh, and to be a hard you know to play hard and work hard. I, th- I think that we're seeing the best athlete we've ever seen right now. That's, That's what's interesting. We're we're going to see the best that Michael Phelps has in in 2016 Rio. So great. All right, let's talk about Katie Ledecky. Um, she is she is obviously uh, the biggest name uh, on on the women's side and. You and I talked about her a little bit in Omaha at the at the swim trials. She's extraordinary, right? Absolutely extraordinary. What's extraordinary about Katie Ledecky is she. When I think of her, I think of her like an assassin. It's uh, you know you, we 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 take off and we're swimming out into the ocean, and the Japan is on the other side, and Ledecky's going to make it to Japan. But Joe, you're going to drown, and guess what? I'm going to drown. And she knows that, but she's still going to lead us out into the ocean. So when I think of Katie Ledecky, that's, 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 the, that's, that's the movie that plays in my head. Uh, when she goes to training camp at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs where they train in altitude, um, and this, is, this has been talked about quite a bit, and it's been a joke, and it's, it's one of these things that swim swam you can't really report on too much because you hurt people's feelings. Um, world-class swimmers, men, have to move out of her lane or, or move out of the pool because it, it hurts them too much emotionally to train with her. Because eventually, she just repeats at such a high level, eventually everybody gives up. They can't stay up with her. Uh, this is the greatest female swimmer of all time, in my opinion. Uh, I said that last year and people got angry with me because she's so young. She is absolutely no one can argue with this. She's the greatest female freestyler in the history of planet Earth. It's it's incredible. 
You know, Dan Hicks was was saying this, and I had not really thought of this because, you know, we've we've grown so used to uh, Michael Phelps's performances. I mean, and, and obviously the eight gold medals in 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 uh, two thousand eight, and and the you know whatever six gold medals and two more in two thousand four, and you get used to those types of things. But he said that that this is the first time we're going to see a swimmer who's going to do it sort of the way Eric Hayden did uh, speed skating in in nineteen eighty. Because she's she's going to win the two hundred, she's going to win the four hundred, she's going to win the eight hundred. I mean, there's it's like it's the same, you know. She's and that scope, and she would win the fifteen hundred by by thirty seconds if 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 the if the women swam the fifteen hundred. So for her to be able to to bring out that wide a range, uh, that just doesn't happen in swimming, right? It doesn't happen in swimming. It, it, it uh, we've had we've had moments in time where um, women have been that dominant. Tracy Hawkins was that dominant. Janet Evans. Janet Evans was kind of that dominant. She, Janet didn't have the 200 free. Right. Um, she didn't. Katie, has, Katie can go all the way down to the 200 freestyle. The team on the 4 by one freestyle. She's not been swimming the 100 free that long. Um, it's not a race that you would traditionally think about swimming if, if you train for the 800 freestyle. And... Um, it's. I thought she'd make the team in the four by one. She's that good. I think it just. It's just a matter of experience racing the hundred. Yeah. Now her, her her depth is ridiculous. What's interesting about you know the NBC family is that Tommy Roy is the executive producer. Sure. And uh, you know he's he's done swimming coverage as executive producer going back to what the nineteen ninety six. But he you know he's actually done the telecast for swimming since two thousand four. If you ask him his favorite race, he'll tell you two thousand twelve. Ledecky winning the 800 meter freestyle in front of the the Queen of England, um, because she was such a little kid, only 15 years old, and no one expected her to win, and she beat the favorite, uh, Adlington, Rebecca Adlington, and that was um, so. The guy who who's going to do the telecast for all of all of NBC, you know, his his favorite is Katie Ledecky. Yeah, it's it's really really cool. I mean how. How dominant uh, she is, and how fun she is to watch, and and her greatness. All right, uh, we're running out of time, so let me uh, ask you. I will tell you my the person I'm excited about seeing, who's sort of a, a a not necessarily on the front page, but somebody I'm really excited about seeing. And I'll ask you to tell me somebody you're really excited about seeing. Uh, for very personal reasons, I'm very excited about seeing uh, Kathleen Baker uh, swim. Now, Kathleen is not a, a she's certainly not a medal favorite. Um, but her making the team, Kathleen Baker has Crohn's uh, disease, uh, which my daughter also has. So it is very personal for me. Uh, she basically has to train differently from from the other swimmers. She only trains once a day. You mentioned David Marsh. David Marsh is her personal coach, and of course, will also be her Olympic coach as the as the women's uh, coach. Um, she has to train. You know, Crohn's. What Crohn's does is. Uh, it, it, it affects you in many, many different ways. It's a, it's a stomach thing that, that, that essentially your, your body can't fight off, um, various things. So, so little, little, um, they're not, they're not tumors, but little tiny, uh, things end up in your stomach. It, it suppresses, uh, your appetite. It, it, it's very difficult to, um, you, you, you get tired. It, it affects your body in those ways. But it's the, the thing that most amazes me about her accomplishing what she has already making the team is pressure and stress are the worst things. Uh, for my own daughter, uh, when, when it's time for the finals, 
uh, in her school or, or, or something is, is coming up. She's, she's, uh, she's a drama. She's in drama. So if like the play is coming up, that's the hardest time for her. And, and yet, uh, Kathleen, because of her love of swimming and because of her extraordinary, uh, commitment, uh, to, to the sport and to, to her own excellence, uh, her making the team, I'm, I'm beyond excited to watch her swim. And I, of course, don't care. Uh, I would love to see her medal. Don't care if she does because what she's done already is is so extraordinary. So that is my personal uh, swimmer that I am watching at, at the games. Now I'm going to ask you for yours. It, well, I, I'm, she's a favorite of mine too. Yeah. She's uh, the, And also having friends that have, that have suffered from this disease, yeah. knowing how that the, when, when that inflammation uh-huh. strikes – um, what it does and how people can be shut-ins in their home and exhausted and it just it it you're paralyzed so to 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 try and manage a swimming career it's amazing uh it is it's pretty it's pretty extraordinary i would like to see her uh i'd like to see her win a mental game which means keeping her keeping her mind balanced and um so that 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 she doesn't suffer when she's in Rio, I'd like, I'd really like to see her final. I'd like to see her in the big show. Yes. I'd like to see her on the finals, of the telecast on NBC. To me, that would be a, that would be exciting to see. I, I think if she can get in there, I think she's in the hunt to, to be on the podium. I think it's a, that's a tall order, but it's absolutely possible. So very excited for her. And so I'll, I'll, I'll wrap mine up very quickly. I'm, I'm a Tony Irvin fan. Anthony Irvin is, uh, I thought that Anthony Irving, so Anthony was a, a gold medalist at the Sydney Games uh, in 2000. He's, you know, he left the sport for, for, for 10 years, came back, made the team in 2012, and he's the, and he's, the, he's the nitro guy. He's the 50 man. He's the speed demon. And I like these guys because I never had any speed. I got a vertical leap of like eight inches. Tony is um, Tony's probably the, one of the most interesting guys. He's 35 years old. He's always the adult in the room. He's always the most caring and compassionate person. He doesn't talk about competition and winning. He talks about a flow and having that perfect race. Um, I thought that he had lost his, his, his passion for the sport and that, you know, he had gotten a memoir out this past year and kind of was able to tell his story and how much swimming means to him and how it fits into the greater narrative of his, of his entire life. I kind of felt like that he was closing the chapter on his career. And sure enough, this guy, David Marsh, comes into the picture we call him Magic Marsh, and um, Urban starts training with him, and he had an extraordinary Olympic trials. I would like to see him medal in uh, in the fifty freestyle. I would like to see I'd like to see Anthony have a starring role. I, I think he's one of the most interesting personalities in the sport that we've ever had. So I'm when I get emotional, it's going to be when he's on the blocks. Yeah, that's exciting. That really is exciting. And there's so much more, but we are out of time. I'll, I'll call you from Rio. We'll, we'll do this again from Rio. You know, it's take a little time talking, uh, talking as, as this thing goes, but I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Thank you, buddy. Good talking to you always. 